0: Hello and welcome to the Business of Betting podcast. Today I'm joined by Benji Cherniak. Benji, thank you very much for coming on the show. This episode of the Business of Betting podcast is proudly brought to you by Dimers.com. Dimers.com is an absolute must for US sports bettors who enjoy the highs and lows of wagering. Dimers provides sports bettors with pre-game and in-play predicted outcomes for every major pro and college sport. Take a look around at dimers.com. Gamble responsibly. Today, I'm joined by Benji Cherniak. Benji, thank you very much for coming on the show.
1: Jake, a pleasure to be here.
0: So, Benji... Many people know who you are. Obviously, you know, the former principal and and managing director of Don Best. And obviously that business is synonymous with U.S. betting. So we're going to get into some of that as well as some of the forward looking stuff as well. But just tell us a little bit about your experience at Don Best. Tell us about, you know, the inception, the earlier days, some of those early years, because obviously many people have been following the U.S. market very closely in the last couple of years since the uh, the changes with pasper and in may two thousand and eighteen but but obviously now um, getting some insight from those that have been here for a long time is interesting so do you mind going back uh, and telling telling us more about the beginning days yeah
1: i mean you 're going back uh you know two thousand and seven or so to to the inception of my involvement with the Donbass brand and kind of becoming principal and uh, m d of that organization and Bringing it up through the ranks, and you know, you go back to those days, and uh, the Don Best business was a very bit different business from where it is today. Uh, back then, you had the Don Best screen, which is still the the predominant product used by sports traders and professional sports betters today. But going back uh, then, it was the only product that we had. And you know, I began going out to to see some of our customers that were buying the Don Best screen. Which, if you're not familiar with that product, it's a fantastic product. It's in effect like a Bloomberg terminal for sports betting. Uh, still uh, exists and is in fine shape today. You log in and uh, you, you know you download the the platform and you see all of the line moves of all sports books that are US facing in some capacity in real time, along with injury updates and the changes to start times and accurate scoring. just really a fantastic tool both for professional betters or significant betters and of course, industry professionals, uh, not just in the US, but across the globe. And, you know, that that product was always in place. And, you know, as I began kind of traveling out to Europe and meeting with our, our clients, be it the William Hills and Patty Powers of the world, and there was a desire to get some of that product on a more automated basis, as opposed to traders manually punching in the numbers. So, You know, we immediately put some of that information into to XML feeds and, you know, that became a a nice revenue stream for the company. And it was primarily pre-match data because, you know, going back to that time frame, there wasn't a whole lot of in-play betting on on American sports. And, you know, the European companies then came to us and said, you know, this product is fantastic. You know, we can use the top line markets to 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 build out our entire, you know, U.S. uh, trading product. But what about the in-play component? And you know that kind of set out a light bulb that in the European markets, in-play was uh, a huge component of betting and there wasn't a whole lot of products for, for NBA and NFL. So we decided to build it out and we formed the Donbass Trading Floor and hired somebody uh, to build out our algorithms and had our CTO at that time build out the initial platform and brought in our... Uh, The VP of trading who is still with the company, uh, to my knowledge today, fantastic resource. And, you know, that first year we had one customer and we were doing NBA only. And uh, that's going back, you know, 10 years ago or so. And as you can imagine, the product has evolved a little bit since then. But uh, that first year was actually a little bit of a disaster, believe it or not. Uh, Uh, algorithms that uh, were v one that, you know, could have been a little bit better. And our our technology wasn't as strong as it could be back then, but our clients stuck with us and one client became two and NBA became NBA and MLB. And then we added NFL, then a third client, then a fourth, and it just all kind of to snowball to the point where we became kind of viewed as the leader in in distribution of U.S. sports uh, betting lines on a proprietary basis
0: what do you think makes don best and the screen so iconic in the industry because anyone you talk to across like you said professional gamblers or significant punters across u.s sports especially and then obviously traders and other people who who want that information people might say it's a it's an odds comparison screen but it it clearly has a far bigger place in the ecosystem than that what do you think makes it so special and, and the place that it holds
1: well, I think part of it is based on kind of the relationships whereby none of the data that's on the Don Best screen is scraped data. It's all data that comes directly from the source. So it just makes the product that much more reliable. Um, and I, I think a lot of it is just legacy in terms of the way the product is structured, is kind of appealing to the eye. Um, and, and, you know, the validity of the content that's in there based in part on the relationships, in part on how we present the data via the APIs um, it's just you know a lot of u s. heritage and legacy built into it. Um, you know the the expertise of the Don best staff in terms of acquiring injury information, the way that they source it out, um, and you know that information moves betting lines globally. And I just think all of that and the way it's packaged and the way in which we've very cautiously or the company has very cautiously expanded the scope of the data. Uh, over the years to include more of the European piece, it's just all been done in a very logical manner. And I think that, uh, uh, you know, it, uh, it it speaks to the success of the organization and of that product in particular.
0: So you you touched on pre-match being the predominant outlet and obviously the the evolution with respect to in-play. From your business point of view, was that something that you saw a long way out and needed to reflect that in the product and in the business? Or were you sort of in line with the Nevada market more so on that topic?
1: It was really an evolution. It wasn't really Nevada-driven at all. It was really driven because, don't forget, prior to PASPA repeal, there wasn't a whole lot of business that we could do in the U.S. A good chunk of what we would do in regards to sports book clients was with clientele that was uh, across the pond. So, you know, uh, uh, all of these European sports books, they were, they were kind of the catalyst that drove us to migrate to create uh, the in-play trading solution because they were doing in-play trading on soccer, European football. They had in-play trading for tennis. What they lacked was a strong in-play solution for the U.S. sports component. So it just became a kind of a natural progression, but a little bit of a departure from our core business because it meant that, you know, we had to create our own betting lines as opposed to kind of, creating consensus of third-party betting data. So, you know, it it was certainly a departure from what we had done historically, yet, you know, from a decision standpoint, it was a logical evolution of where the company needed to go in order to continue growing.
0: What was the most difficult aspect of building and growing the business? And and obviously those who are fully aware of what Donbest and the screen offers will will know what we're talking about, but the Aussie audience will be aware of, you know, dynamic odds, for example, There's, there's odds checker, which is in the realm of this discussion. Do you recall what the biggest challenges were to try and keep you know all different parts of the business and, and different clientele happy when it came to to running and operating things?
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, you can never keep everyone happy, as, <laughs> as you well know uh, uh, from your days in Sport Radar and, and and other companies. So you know, let, let's set that aside. In terms of the biggest challenges, I think that you know, as we migrated to creating in-play betting lines and looking to grow our value asset as a company. One of the biggest challenges as it relates to that piece of the business was, you know, that that the U.S. market was a closed market. So we were, in effect, knocking on doors of European, uh, UK, Australian bookmakers where U.S. sports might have been a secondary component for them. And what we would say to them is, look, we know you already utilize, be it Sport Radar or Genius or somebody else for your betting odds. But we feel that for the U.S. piece, you should do a separate integration and take our Don Best odds because we feel we have a better product. And because the U.S. sports were secondary for many of these operators, it wasn't an easy sales pitch or something where, you know, you would walk in the door and get a sale right away. It was something we had to work at. And you know, prove that our product was worthy. So I think that that was, you know, at times a bit of an uphill climb, but something we were able to to work our way through.
0: So I'd be amazed if you didn't have many companies looking at acquisition and your business as a target. Tell me about that process and and how exciting it was for you and the team to to end up selling to a major public company in the gaming space.
1: From the time that it became clear that uh, passpo was being repealed and That announcement was made and certainly a number of companies became, you know, there was interest from an M&A perspective even prior, you know, over the years, just given that we were a strong asset in the U.S. So even before it became clear that the U.S. market was going to was going to open up, there was some level of M&A interest. But it certainly expedited and augmented uh, uh, as, as PASPA repeal neared and we began having conversations with some entities. And of course, you know, we 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 entered into uh, an arrangement with the folks at Cy Games, and that became the most synergistic fit. And look, I mean, it was all very exciting in the sense that uh, you spend all these years working at something and, and, and building an asset. And, you know, to to come to the realization that the asset that you've built is something that, you know, not only has a legacy within the space, but has value for Uh, A major public company such as Scientific Games was something that was really gratifying, not just for myself, but for everyone involved with the organization.
0: So I'm curious how things change for you. You go from, you know, running it standalone with you and the team and then you're acquired by a bigger company and you're integrated within the the broader group. What was that experience like for you uh, when it came to integrating with other teams and other technology and other parts of the business, given, um, you know, you were basically running the show and now you're within a bigger group?
1: Yeah, so look, I mean, naturally, there's an adjustment phase, because as you allude to, I go from kind of myself, and, and in fairness, I worked alongside two partners at Don Best. Uh, uh, I was a, a co-principal alongside two others, albeit I was more involved in the day-to-day runnings of the business, and, you know, they were a little bit less day-to-day than myself, but, you know, uh, ourselves and the executive team, you know, we were able to kind of uh, work for ourselves and make decisions ourselves. And, you know, that that's just what we were used to over so many years. And of course, when you become part of a bigger organization, you want to play the role in regards to making our asset fit, within the confines of what, uh, scientific games and SG digital want to achieve as a company, both in the U S and globally. And, you know, that required some adjustment in terms of how I manage business on a day-to-day basis. But that being said, it was a fantastic experience. You know, I just had the benefit of working with some really, really talented people at scientific games and, you know, the leadership, uh, people like Jordan Levin and Keith O'Laughlin just, Really fantastic people and great people to work alongside and work for. Um, and, and, you know, look, I think that, you know, as with everything, when you're integrating a product like the Dawn Best product within the OpenBets trading platform and getting all of that done, there's a lot of ins and outs that go into it. And, you know, there's some speed bumps along the way, but I think overall the result was fantastic and continues to be fantastic for everyone involved as they continue with their journey, uh, independent of myself.
0: So I know now you've left scientific games as of a few months ago and, you know, through the grapevine, I hear you may be assessing different opportunities in the investment space as well as advisory roles. And and obviously, given what you bring to the table, there's uh, a clear benefit for all of those businesses. Are you going to jump straight into that? Are you going to take some time off and and maybe enjoy yourself given just how hot the market's been and with all the activity going on? Or what does the, the future look like from your perspective?
1: It's a great question, and I, I think the answer is a little bit of all of the above. you know, look, we, we you know as as alluded to, the parting of ways with s g on a very amicable basis and ensuring that the asset is left in great hands and and it is, and they're going to do fantastic things over there, and i'll I'll watch from afar and cheer from them from afar, but uh you know they move on, and I move on and on to the next phase and You know, for me, you're right. I have been looking uh, very closely at uh, at, uh, strategic investments and and advisory work within the space. I've recently formed a company. It's called uh, Avenue H Capital LLC. um, And I formed that company for the purpose of uh, uh, investment and and advisory uh, work within the gaming space. So look, I've looked at a bunch of companies and I am very selectively making some investments at this time and providing some advisory services. That's really exciting to me. I think there's a lot of great entrepreneurs and great companies and fantastic things going on out there. But by the same token, after so many years, you know, this is really the first time in my professional career that I have an opportunity to sit back a little bit and take a little bit of time off and smell the roses and I think as I mentioned to you uh previously I've spent uh I'm in Las Vegas now but I've spent the majority of the winter out in Miami and it was kind of interesting because for the first time in my career I don't have to spend uh you know 40 50 60 70 plus hours a week working at something so I've kind of structured my day where I wake up in the morning uh seven or whatever and get outside and get a workout in and come back and then kind of from 9am until 12:31, I'll i'll do my calls and look at different businesses and opportunities and have conversations and network and look at potential investments and advisory and all of those things and you know then at then at kind of 1 pm i try and lock it down and go for a longer lunch than i should and go to the beach and do whatever else and just do things that i never had time to do in the past and kind of enjoy some free time for myself now and then maybe, because uh, I was on the East Coast towards five, five thirty p.m., I'll hop on a call for an hour or two with with West Coast people who are now in the midst of their day, and you know, and then plan my dinner. And that was kind of my routine for for the last few months, uh, and, and it's been a lot of fun.
0: So it does sound like there's a few spare hours in there to to relax, enjoy yourself, a game of golf, and, and something like that, perhaps. But. Did you ever get the itch to to jump in and jump back in on the corporate side? And you know, obviously the industry is very hot at the moment. Someone with your pedigree and and business acumen in this space right now is obviously a, a very hot commodity. So I'm guessing a lot of those businesses when they're looking, you know, for those targets, your name would come up pretty much every time. Have you have you felt like it might be a possibility to, to jump back in on the corporate side at all?
1: Um, you know, I think that I evaluate everything as it comes along, right? Um I, I'm certainly not I think part of it is that I'm not really Jake in a hurry to do anything, right? So rather yeah. than kinda force a square peg into a round hole, as I look at fits, whether it be investment or whether it be me jumping back into something on a more full-time basis. Uh, it needs to be kind of a round hole into a round hole because I have the luxury of being able to be a little bit patient right now. But at the same time, the market's moving quickly. As we all know, there's a lot going on. And if it were the right type of opportunity, be it starting something myself or getting involved with a company, and I felt that it was really the right fit, then I would contemplate getting back into something on a more comprehensive basis. But uh, but for the time being, I'm very much enjoying kind of partnering with some of these New entrepreneurs to the space who are who are doing some really exciting things, and it's just fun to get involved in that.
0: So I've spoken to a number of people that have considered the consultancy advisory path, and either haven't done it or or might get to it. So tell me about your initial stages in that sphere and in that world, because you know, like you said, there's a heck of a lot going on, and I'm sure there's there's plenty of ways to spend that time. Um, tell us about Avenue. Well, tell us about the name Avenue H. I don't know if there's a background to that, but tell us about the initial stages and whether it's been as fulfilling as you'd hoped, um, things that you've learned or things you've picked up that you may not have expected.
1: Well, let's get to the name Avenue H before, since you brought it up. Uh, so a- Avenue H Capital, Avenue H, uh, a few years ago, I went with my, my parents back to my dad's hometown of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, which is in the prairie region of Canada, for those who aren't familiar. And, uh, you know, he hadn't been there in you know, 40 plus years or whatever. And to kind of go back there with him and see the small town he grew up in and to knock on the door of the house he grew up in and meet the people who live there now and walk in there and see the bedroom that, his late brother, my uh, my uncle, uh, and him w- would play hide and seek. And where my grandfather and and grandmother, who had come over from Eastern Europe to build a a future, and you know a lot of family values there, and a lot of hard work to to to, to build a life in Canada for 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 the next generation of which I become a beneficiary. And so that name just kind of comes back to the roots of of, of my family and uh, kind of the work ethic that was required to get where they needed to go, which was instilled onto me and the Don Best experience and is a quality that I certainly look for in companies that I'm investing in. So that's the name. And in regards to the early days and the experience thereof, um, you know, part of it is that there's so many great companies and so many great opportunities, and I think a lot of them are going to be successful. It's just trying to find the ones that are the right fit for me as a person for me as an investor and for me as an advisor and it's not always just about which company is going to be the more the most successful because that becomes a bit of a guessing game but which are the entrepreneurs and leadership teams that i feel comfortable working alongside in, in making an investment and providing some advisory assistance and helping them get to where they want to go a little bit faster where are the you know who are the individuals that kind of view the industry and the world at large in the same lens that I view it in which it just becomes a synergistic vision. And I think those are really, really important attributes, at least for me, in trying to align myself with companies that I think can not just be successful, but which in which I can add value to that journey.
0: Interesting. So more specifically on that, with respect to the entrepreneurs, what are you observing? Because are you seeing those inside of the industry, let's say, working at companies like Scientific Games or, or, or betting operators who are creating their own businesses in the space? Or are they coming from outside of the industry, maybe from you know, business school or other tech businesses and they're getting into the betting space as well? Are the same ideas being recycled in a, a 2021 format? Are there wild ideas out there that seem fanciful, but you know, someone from the outside might have a, a different vision within the betting space?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm thinking of that one as, as you as you pose the question, and it's a really good one. And and as I think about it, it seems that the companies that I'm leaning to getting involved with and where I'm, I'm making investments are, are generally people that are coming from outside the space as opposed to. People that hung the had already established some pedigree in the space and and now have a new startup or a new company uh, uh, having come off another exit or whatever else, so it seems that more of my involvement is with with entrepreneurs that have great experience in other realms have have a good niche within our space and and you know my experiences allow me to add some level of value as minimal as it may be to 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 individuals and organizations that are going to be successful whether i'm involved or not
0: so if you don't mind do you want to share a little bit about maybe your vision for the for the industry and you don't have to be too specific but i'd love to hear your thoughts on maybe directionally where you think things might head because you know plenty of people talk about this topic and you'll hear on the wild end of the the spectrum that a a sports league will be a betting operator themselves and, and run a sports book uh, that Google and Amazon and big Tech will just take over everything and then facebook will will take your bet pretty soon and stuff like that to the the other end where it's rather boring and the the placing of a bet's been the same for for centuries and will continue that way and and things will move around it and and things on the edges or or maybe some ancillary parts will evolve but overall um there's not too much to to expect when it comes to to innovation and disruption and I'd love to get your thoughts on this topic because it's it's something that you'll hear varying opinions on and it's obviously a very interesting area to to think about moving forward
1: look i think some form of change some form of disruption is inevitable you know um it it doesn't mean that the path of which sports books have operated in the past is a dead model it just means that you know you need to evolve as the industry evolves and i think that you you go back to the path repeal two and a half years ago, or let's even back up two and a half years before that to five years ago, when a passport repeal wasn't really on people's radar. And, 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 and back then, you know, sports betting was kind of a bad word, you know, Um, you know, if you're, if you're a young person, I, I like to use this analogy that, you know, if you go back five or 10 years ago, and you're a 21 year old graduating from whatever university in the US, you know, you can go work for a bank, you can go work for a marketing company, you know, you can go work for whatever. But if you tell your parents you're to work in the betting industry, they're going to look at you funny and think that you're going to work for the corner bookie who breaks people's legs. And yeah. maybe they would be right. You know, and that was kind of the perception of where this thing was at, you know, as little as five years ago, certainly 10 years ago. And then all of a sudden you have the announcement that there's a PASPA repeal and and there's an evolution in the way people look at things and you know in advance of that of course the leagues as you well know with your experiences in the industry began to adjust their position from being as distant as they could to recognizing that there's a role that they can play in terms of their data and partnerships and you know you you get to where we are now and the evolution has been a lot faster than i think a number of us had anticipated where you now have leagues looking at you know, where is not just the monetary opportunity, but where are the partnerships that can drive further engagement to, to, you know, particularly coming out of the confines of COVID, you no longer have fans in the seats. Certainly the leagues are waking up in terms of, you know, what are paths towards increasing engagement in absence of fans in our seats. And we don't want to take that for granted anymore going further. And, you know, where does sports betting fit into that? So I, I, I think it's an entire evolution of the way in which people view sports, the way in which people view sports engagement, and the role that sports betting—be it initially free-to-play and migrating towards real-money gaming in the states where it's allowed—what role that plays within it. And you know, uh, uh, you know, I think disruption is a good thing. I think disruption is a good word, and I don't, I don't think disruption threatens. Um, the past or the present or the status quo, I think that it just adds additional layers to the way in which we can enjoy the 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 sports engagement experience and in particular, the betting experience within and whether that be an evolution of player driven betting markets whether that be an evolution of exchange betting, whether that be an evolution of fantasy-driven stock market betting, um, whether that be an evolution of micro markets, where we're betting on the next at-bat and the next pitch and the next down, whatever it may be, whether it be a different way of viewing the betting experience as opposed to minus one and a half uh, or minus two and a half point spread, categorizing it in a different way, all of these forms of disruption are things that are in place, uh, on their way. Now, uh, there's companies that are doing these things and it's going to all be in some capacity, a part of the future of sports betting and by extension sports engagement.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Spot on. And I think it does for whatever reason, feel bigger and broader and, Uh, you know just going through some of the the more recent deals with this we saw VEASAN we saw Bannock, obviously uh, Scientific Games buying Don Best uh, back to sort of SB Tech and DraftKings earlier on and just the way teams and leagues and operators and free to play and all these other aspects are coming together um, you know it's it's different to what I've experienced certainly in the Australian market and spending some time in Europe as well and having been in the U.S. for the last handful of years it, it just feels a little bit different and we'll see maybe I'm Maybe I'm wrong, but that's something to, to certainly keep an eye on with these six, seven, 10 figure deals that are probably going to continue to come here. And I guess from your point of view, how do you go about spending your time? Do you hyper focus on, on certain areas, certain things that you think have the biggest potential or growth or might be able to add the most value? Or do you have to triage a little bit and, and pick your spots? How do you think about it when it comes to that?
1: I don't know like i think one of the nice things about having a bit of freedom now is that when i was uh uh, married to to the don best and sg digital over the years you know i I was focused in a very specific area and i and i loved it and it was great and it's an area in which i now have a lot of expertise but one of the nice things now uh, having a little bit of free time in my hands is being able to to expand the scope and look at other areas where there's interesting opportunities and You know, initially right now, from an investment standpoint, like a few of the companies I'm getting involved in, you know, one is in the activation uh, and affiliate space, uh, super company, great management and great leadership. Uh, Another one is uh, uh, a sports data company, uh, certainly non-competitive to what I was doing at Don Best, but uh, uh, a data company that has historically done a really good job of providing some granular level data to professional sports teams and is now migrating to include the betting community within that and some really exciting things on the horizon for that company um you know i have always been more of an expert in the b2b realm uh, it's just kind of where the ball bounced for me more on the don best side and kind of more where my personality sits but it's been really interesting now to look at some opportunities where i can add some value with some of the B2C areas, be it uh, as I alluded to earlier, be it a fantasy company and that's converging with sports betting, or or converging with stock market betting in some capacity, or or bet exchange, and there's just a whole range of opportunities within there where where I'm both educating myself and and seeing you know where my level of expertise can help add value in certain scenarios for some of these companies, and it's been really interesting to look at, and then. Lastly, I'm looking very closely at a company now uh, in a potential partnership that's really focused on the engagement piece and working with professional sports leagues and professional sports teams to assist them in their journey and educating and bringing their customers uh, along the ride uh, towards uh, sports engagement with free to play and even potentially real money gaming. So look, it's a little bit all over the map. and. Ultimately, if I decide to get involved in one area or one organization on a more comprehensive basis, and I would need to make some decisions and narrow in. But right now, I'm, I'm really enjoying the diversity of it.
0: Have you found that founders and, and management and, and leadership teams are looking for certain skills from advisors and external consultants and investors and, and the likes of Avenue H Capital who are able to provide certain support for these businesses or is it one of those things where a lot of these businesses need all the typical support and tools that a lot of general businesses need? Uh, and it's not as specific to gaming as we might think, or how do those conversations go when you do sit in those rooms or, or those zoom calls with, with management and founders, and, and you talk about where the gaps sit and where the gaps lie in the, uh, in the, you know, startupy small business world as it sits today.
1: It's a great question. You know, I think that, you know, I, uh on a general basis, like on a big picture answer, I've gone through the experience, albeit during a different era when you look back to you know a decade ago versus today. But I've gone through the experience uh, over the long haul of kind of you know growing a baby, growing a company, and 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 growing alongside it, and you know have some familiarity with some of the challenges and pitfalls within the realm of building a sports betting, be it data or other company. Um, and some of the challenges that can be faced as it relates to things such as integrations, as it relates to to sales within the US or within the global. So I think that, you know, just the overall understanding of both building a company as well as exiting a company and having done that successfully is, a, is a, an experience that is a benefit to entrepreneurs who haven't yet successfully exited and who are still or, or haven't yet yet built their company to where they want it to be such that they might have that option or or, or just continue to grow the company. So I think that that general skill set or not, not so much skill set but that general level of experience that I've had that I've had the benefit of having uh, over the years is something that that the, the maturity that comes with that is something that is a benefit to some of the entrepreneurs that are entering the space today
0: so reading between the lines do you need to to temper your excitement and enthusiasm or expectations when it comes to, to some of this stuff just given i'm sure you see plenty of slide decks now with with b for billions next to total addressable market and you know there's plenty of brands uh that are put into those presentations and there's uh you know acquisition targets into the future and all this stuff especially in a world now where we have you know sports betting we have iGaming, gaming uh we obviously have horse racing and existing and incumbent gaming that's been prevalent for a while and then you have you know crypto and, and non-fungible tokens and all these other new areas that are morphing into a, a broader category of entertainment how do you go about that because you've obviously seen a lot of things and, and know a lot about this industry and you're dealing with a lot of people who are you know very eager very excited and want to make their mark and hopefully get a, a big acquisition at the end of the day it's it's probably a tricky process at times for you
1: yeah you know look i mean i think that there's no right or wrong answer to that because if the hype results in, a, in an appropriate uh, return for the investors involved, then it wasn't hype, it was reality, right? So I think beauty is in the eye of the beholder when it comes to, 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 to aligning with companies, uh, investment advisory. But, you know, for me, I do like to see some of the standard metrics. Of course, there's, you know, the the industry is hot and that plays into the valuations of, of companies in the space. Um, and, and and I think there's a lot of room for growth within that. We're yet to see a lot of the biggest markets open up, uh, you know, uh, the Texases and the Floridas and the Ohio's and and the Californias and the real New York, which would have the, the mobile component. And, you know, let's not forget about Canada. And, you know, Ontario is going to be an absolutely massive market that would take a backseat to very few of these bigger U.S. states. So, you know, the as more and more of these markets open up, yeah I think the opportunity just continues to get bigger and bigger. And I think that plays in a little bit to what some might view as inflated valuations to a certain extent. But you know for me, i I try and look at not just what can be the exit plan when they get there, but in absence of an exit. What are the nuts and bolts of this business and where is the value within it? And that was kind of how I, I approach things from a business perspective in general. And uh, that would uh, to, a, to, to a great extent uh, fall into line as to what I look at on the investment side as well. But uh, certainly, you know, you have to be prepared to recognize that there's a value add in, on, on the inflation, you know, the inflation of valuations is, is in part justifiable based on what we're seeing right now in the MA space
0: so for those listening who might want to start a business or have just started their their new business and want to understand what folks like you are are interested in seeing or or talking about are there things that exist that they might be able to to understand and and control within their business that might make them better positioned when it comes to this space right now Um, i'm guessing there's probably you know a need or or a or a want for fundamentals of of just having a good strong business with with good management good leadership core competency across the different areas that are relevant and required. But are there any silver bullets out there in what's been described as a gold rush to to try and find your place and your spot within that? Or is it something that, you know, that doesn't really exist and you just have to stick to the the more fundamental parts of building and growing a business?
1: You know, I think that for sure, there's the, the nuts and bolts and to, as it pertains to, to strong management and strong ethics and strong leadership and all of those things and ensuring that as you form your company, you have the, you dot the I's and cross the T's as it pertains to doing your homework from a legislative standpoint. But I think you also have to be prepared for what you, you know, to prepared for the unexpected. And, uh, you know, I, I think the first thing you have to look at is, you know, what is your niche? You know, are, are you solving a problem within the space? And if so, what problem are you solving, and and who are you solving it for, and how valuable is it to that skills to that to that subset? So if you're uh, uh, a a B two B supplier supplying some sort of a product in some capacity to to assist operators, you need to look in terms of you know what is the value add that I'm adding to those operators. You know, how am I differentiated from the current competition or from inevitably the competition that will come if no one's in my category yet? And you have to learn, you have to kind of look at how are you adding value for whomever you're adding adding value to? Um, so I think that that becomes, you know, I don't know that that's specific to this business, but that's something that I would kind of advise people that are looking at a startup is, you know, getting real clear on what it is you're trying to do as opposed to just saying, hey, Monkey Knife, I just sold for $90 million. Let me slap some lipstick on some sort of a B2C fantasy play and I can sell for $90 million too.
0: Before I get you out of here, I want to ask just about Don Best again. Obviously, we, we covered a lot earlier, but now that you've ho- had a moment away and a moment to reflect on that part of your life, obviously a huge chunk of your career and your life spent building and growing that, a lot of blood, sweat and tears, I'm sure, went into that. And And now that you're away from that, any memories that stand out, any moments or any feelings that come to mind when you... Think about your time there, what you built. I'm sure plenty of great people come to mind. Is it something you've had a chance to to think a little bit more about over the past few weeks and months?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that the biggest thing of it, it was just a, only positives in terms of my memories of my time spent uh, both within uh, Don Best independently as we built the company as well as as part of the SG Digital family. And I, I think the biggest part that comes back to me is is just enjoying the journey and enjoying the people I was working alongside. And, you know, it's a unique industry, as you know, and the industry has changed now because we now have within the U.S. legislation and a massive expansion of the industry. But you go back to some of those earlier years where, you know, the industry was a lot smaller um, and you had to kind of fight a little harder for every inch that you would earn. Um, And I, I think that really the part that sticks out to me, is, is the relationships and the people that I got to work alongside. And, you know, from a Don Best perspective, it starts with my two business partners and then our key executive team and just a fantastic group of people that I had the privilege and, and honor of being able to, to really work alongside to tackle these objectives and, you know, some fantastic clients who started off as clients and became friends over the years and just people in the industry who I've just formed some really deep-rooted relationships with who I think will be people who I have an interest in what they're up to for the rest of their lives. And that extends, of course, uh, post-sale into the SG digital realm, you know, fantastic company, fantastic people, not just the folks that I reported to, but the people that I had the privilege of working alongside and who assisted in the journey, be it on the HR side or within legal. And of course, all the people that worked for us over the years at Don Best, be it uh, uh, folks on on the trading floor or within the sports department, Or, or within our HR and accounting, you know, just uh, always fond memories of the people more so than uh, uh, and and the journey itself.
0: Yeah, awesome. And I think I only moved to the US maybe seven, seven, eight years ago, something like that now. And and I've tried to embrace and immerse myself into the culture here, especially around, you know, betting and gaming and, and horse racing. And, you know, there's not that many things that come to mind that have, you know, certainly stood the test of time. And, everyone within this space would understand, you know, the Stardust line comes to mind from a Nevada historical standpoint. But I think now if you said, you know, the screen or the Don Best screen, everyone would know what you're talking about. And it's certainly a a special and iconic place, you know, in this industry. And uh, it's a credit to you and the team, obviously. Um, So well done on that. Just finally, can I ask about how people who are interested in Avenue H Capital or chatting to you can be in touch if that's uh, something they want to do?
1: I think the easiest way to reach me is just to, to shoot me a, a message on linkedin you know it's under my name benji cherniak uh you can google me or just hop onto linkedin and, and grab me there and i can shoot you my email and we can kind of go from there type of thing
0: awesome well this has been fun benji i know we didn't get to cover too much in too much detail we certainly covered a lot and i appreciate your time and insights and i know uh You're going to have a big part to play in this North American gaming business for years to come. So thanks for coming on the podcast and uh, and spending the time.
1: Jake, you're the best of the best when it comes to doing these types of podcasts and interviews. So it's really a privilege to be able to spend an hour or whatever it was with you. And thanks for the time and look forward to crossing paths soon.